whatever you can do to make your students successful. If they're not having success, if they cannot hit the ball on the net, they're not going to want to do it in the future. And we're always thinking about, you know, making them, you know, lifelong participants in physical education. And that's something that, you know, you're going to want to do. You're going to want to be successful. You're going to want to be able to hit the ball on the net or throw it on the net because, oh, wow, now I can do this. Now there's something that I can get better where, wow, this is just too hard. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to quit. So, you know, I think it's, it's really important to play at whatever level um, you're at and or, yeah, your partner's at or, you know, make it different, work as a team, figure it out. So that's, that's awesome that you, you know, have used it in a bunch of different ways and seen, seen, I'm sure you've seen those kids progress, you know, pretty easily when you do slow it down. This is the Phys Ed Cast. Welcome to the Phys Ed Cast. Before we get started, uh, my apologies for the huge gap between episodes since the last episode where I spoke with Kelly. I did say I would be releasing this episode with Skylar really, really soon. Um, and it wasn't a lie, but things definitely got busy in my household. My wife and I welcomed our second daughter back in May. And since then, uh, definitely our two girls have been running our life. So I'm just getting around to releasing uh, some of the episodes that I've recorded a little while ago now. I want to try and get them out so that I can start recording some new episodes with uh, some new guests. So um, apologies there, but my guest today is Skylar Bowles. Now, Skylar is officially uh, titled the Senior Community Development and Education Specialist for Spikeball, but essentially he is your go-to guy for all things Spikeball and physical education. He received his credential for secondary physical education from the California State University in Chico in 2013, and while pursuing his dream of being a teacher, he found out about Spikeball and his life changed forever. In fact, he his round net lessons and Spikeball curriculum that he developed and taught helped him to achieve his credential status. Now, not only is Skylar a uh, physical education specialist, but he also has to be one of the best uh, spike ball around net players alive in, in history. He represents one half of the national champion team, Chico Spikes, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, his winning streak um, in this episode. Uh, I had the pleasure of hanging out with Skylar at a bunch of different conferences all around the world, and I can certainly say that this guy is fully committed to helping teachers instill a love of physical activity with their kids. His energy is infectious, and in this conversation, we touch on his background as a tennis player, his role working for Spikeball, and ways that you can use uh, Spikeball equipment in your physical education programs. I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Skylar Bowles. I'm joined today on the Phys Ed Cast by a good friend of mine, Skylar Bowles. How's it going, buddy? It's going great, man. Thanks for being here, and thanks for having me on here. Yeah, it's great to, to chat with you. I think the last time I saw you was probably in Hong Kong, and that was probably the best part of a couple of years ago now, and it, it just seems like yesterday. Um, so for those people that haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, and I'm sure there's not many people considering the amount of travel that you seem to, to pack into your into your schedule, um, who is Skylar and where is he from and what does he do? Yeah, so, um, you know, I went to school to be a PE teacher, you know, back in, in college and graduated in 2013. And 
uh, you know, that was my passion was coaching and, and being a physical educator. And I was you know, slated to, to do middle school, uh, you know, PE. And then I found out about spike ball uh, when I was doing that and, you know, started running, you know, pickup events and little mini tournaments. And I quickly realized that it was a great thing for physical education. And, you know, one day it kind of popped in my head, maybe I should start writing some lessons for this because, you know, nobody's done that before and maybe I could be that guy. And, you know, that's kind of how I got into, you know, the phys ed world. Uh, you know, instead of teaching now, I, I go around and, and teach round net, you know, for spike ball all over the country. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 been, it's been an incredible journey. And throughout that, I also, you know, was a, was a top player. Um, so, you know, come from, you know, coaching and a PE background and, you know, woven spike ball into my life. And now, you know, it's, it's kind of a lot, a lot of what I do is, uh, is, is spike ball related. Nice. And something that I've been asking a lot of, uh, the guests recently that I've been chatting with is about like their experience of, of physical education and sport when, when they were young. So, I mean, what was, what was phys ed and, and sport like for you growing up? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm from Chico, California, which is a small town uh, in, in Northern California, and I thought uh, growing up, my PE uh, background was was awesome. I had great, you know, elementary teachers that I remember, you know, the fun games that we would play uh, when we break for class, and um, I I also remember, you know, my middle school teacher uh, I had him for seventh and eighth grade, Mr. Dockendorf. Um, he was just, you know, one of my favorite just teachers of all time, and I really, you know hit it off with him. And when I ended up getting uh, my credential, he was my master teacher for when I did my student teaching. So I got to go back and, and teach, uh, you know, at the same school uh, that I, that I went to in the same program. So, so that was really special for me, but I mean, it, it, it was all positive. And I think even, even in high school, freshman year, we were, there's, we knew which PE teachers we were going to get. And one random teacher decided to teach PE that year and that happened to be one of the best PE years of my life. Um, and it was very much like uh, non-traditional sports instead of the, the normal stuff. And that kind of really got me juiced on some, some other sports that, you know, I, I never even had thought of. So, I mean, I had a really positive uh, PE experience. And I don't think I ever really thought I was going to be a PE teacher. Uh, but, you know, the more I coached and the more I was around sports, uh, the more it made sense. And it, it, came, it came easy to me. So positive experience and uh you know it's i still have a positive positive experience with it now yeah so i guess but the positive experience in p you talked about sports and i know you're really big into sports just before we were we started this podcast you you told me you'd been out and playing a variety of different sports spike ball bit of swimming bit of um a few other things what were the sports that that really drew you as a as a young person what were you what were you interested in and what were you i guess good at yeah, my I can, you know I have distinct memories of my dad. Uh, you know, he had a tennis ball on a string, and then that was connected to a wooden pole, so he could you know hang it out in front of us, and you know hit that. And that's how I started playing tennis. And you know, we always had a ping pong table, so I played ping pong at a young age. I remember being one of the only kids being able to play with the adults at some of the parties, and you know, I felt privileged to do that. Um, and yeah, you know, my dad and, and my mom always encouraged sports. I remember even, you know, if I, if I bounced the ping pong ball on my ping pong racket a hundred times, I would get a quarter and, you know, that's how I would make money to go get, you know, candy from the store. Um, so my dad definitely encouraged that. And I think, you know, growing up, our favorite, uh, game to play in the house was called head of the line. And it was just my dad sitting in a chair with a, with a soft football. And uh, if you were in the front of the line, you got to choose whether you 
wanted him to throw it to a certain spot or, you know, you didn't know where he was going to throw it and you had to react and catch it. Um, so, I mean, it was, it's, it's been, you know, ingrained in my whole life and, you know, definitely tennis, the, probably the most played a lot of soccer, uh, growing up and a good amount of basketball. Um, and, and really any, any, anything I could get my hands on, but I didn't play the normal baseball or, or football. Uh, my parents wouldn't let me play those two sports. Okay. And it seems like now, obviously that, knowing a little bit more about your background, it, it makes sense as to why, uh, you seem to be such an exceptional spike ball player um i guess all of that sort of hand-eye coordination and reaction stuff that you did as a, as a young person probably definitely contributed to i guess transferring over into into the success that you've had now absolutely and i think you know anticipation uh has always been one of my favorite aspects of sport and athleticism um i always seem to excel at reading where the other person you know could hit the ball in tennis and kind of be there early even though i wasn't the fastest i used that to my advantage um, and, and try to kind of use that as part of my strategy. So that, that's one thing that, you know, in spike ball, you know, I really uh, loved it. It's all about reading your opponent and, you know, trying to be there before they make that decision. Uh, so I love that. And then deception and like trickiness. I'm all about spin and doing crazy weird shots that are unexpected. And there's a lot of that with, you know, 360 degrees uh, that spike ball brings. Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess we've, we've been talking a little bit about it already, but if someone's listening to this and they don't know what Spikeball is, like what, what is Spikeball? So Spikeball is the company that, uh, you know, that, that, that promotes the sport of round net. Uh, you'll, you'll hear round net, which is a sport referred to a lot as Spikeball, but Spikeball is the company uh, that makes the equipment. And, uh, but yeah, so round net is two on two volleyball, but instead of hitting a ball over the net, you're hitting a net you're hitting a ball onto a net that looks like one of those one person mini trampolines. So you and your partner pass it back and forth. You cannot hit it twice in a row, just like volleyball. By the third hit, you must hit it back onto the trampoline. That represents, you know, the ball going over the net like in volleyball. It changes possession to the other team. Then they have up to three hits and hit it back onto that net. If your team does not return it to the circular net, the other team gets a point. There are no sides, no boundaries, and it's a ton of fun. You can play anywhere. For sure, and I guess my question around that is, um, and I think we, we've probably spoken about it before, but I think it's, it's worthwhile to, to talk about the, the distinction then between round net and spike ball. Like, why? Because I, I feel like if you ask most people, and, and myself included, I, I say to the kids all the time in the class, "Are oh, we going to play spike ball now?" But that's just the equipment. Yes, yes. No. So that is the equipment, and uh, you know, we uh, as as a as a brand, we you know really try and build build our brand. We want to make sure that spike ball, the name. Uh, continues as you know the best the equipment provider and service you know provider and teacher of the sport around it um, but just like the term Kleenex and term aspirin they all lost their uh, trademarks to genericide because the term became so generic so now it's Kleenex brand facial tissue um, it's you know aspirin brand uh, and you know so I think what we wanted to do was protect that and so we created you know the sport around that um, just like, uh, you know, uh, a great example is the, uh, the company rollerblade. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, the sport is rollerblading, rollerblading. You see signs that say no rollerblading, uh, that actually is the company and they created the sport of inline skating, uh, so they could try and protect their trademark, uh, of, of the term rollerblades. Otherwise they were going to have to be called rollerblade brand inline skating. Um, and they've actually protected their trademark for 25 years. Um, even though a lot of people still call it rollerblading, you know, when, you're talking officially and when they give out, you know, press releases and when they, you 
in, their, in all their marketing, they use the cr- proper term and, and try to make a case to, pro- to protect it. And so that's as, as much as we can try and do. It's, it's great if people still call it spike ball, you know, because it's great for our brand name, but uh, we have to make sure that we are putting out the message that, you know, the sport is round net and spike ball runs round net tournaments. And uh, I teach round net in, in school um, because anybody can make round net equipment. Um, Spike Ball is the best, and it's the, the company that has donated the most equipment and time and resources to the physical education community, um, which is awesome. I love that. But uh, you know, anybody anybody can create the equipment, and you know, the the, the term round net comes from the sport being descriptive of the equipment. You hit the ball in a round net. If you think about basketball, it is a ball that you throw into a basket. It was a peach basket. Baseball, there's bases, and you run around. They all seems so similar and, and so familiar, uh, but they are just descriptive of the equipment and round net is a term that somebody cannot trademark. So that is that is the, the, the long answer there. For sure. And I think it's important because I think, yeah, people see that, that, that those words and round net and spike ball and maybe there's some confusion um, out there about, well, are they the same thing? Are they different? So I'm, I'm glad that you cleared that up. Um, you, you talked about earlier, you know, you were, you did it, your training, you were going to go into physical education and then you sort of found this spike ball um, path. Were you, I guess, did you create resources and stuff for spike ball before you were working for spike ball or you sort of got that job and then you started to um, create resources and, and take on the role that you're in now? Yeah, it was kind of a weird thing where it was kind of happening all at the same time where I was going to school and I needed to write lesson plans for homework. And I was like, well, I don't want to do the same ones that, you know, everybody else is doing. So spike ball, you know, happened to be, you know, beginning of my life right there. Uh, or I was at the beginning of my spike ball life and it just made sense. And as I was writing a couple lessons, I, you know, I met the owner of spike ball once and uh, I reached out to him just via email um, and told him that I think it's great for physical education. And I was thinking about writing these things. Um, and I'd be able to try to go to a PE trade show. And uh, he had, you know, responded back to me, sent me a free set, which I thought was really cool. And uh, he let me, you know, try going to one of these trade shows. And I had a couple of my lessons there and everybody seemed to love it. Um, sold a bunch of sets. And then, you know, I kind of kept working little part-time gigs and I started writing curriculum and I was going around to the schools in my in my hometown and showing those PE teachers and and selling sets to those schools so it was kind of all happening while I was uh, getting my teaching credential and uh, and coaching tennis at the time Um, and and it all just kind of happened and then it just became you know something that he decided to pay me for and I I was already doing it anyways I was already running tournaments and I was already you know running pickup days and going to schools um, and then he decided to, to pay me to do it and then that became, you know, a little bit more serious and, and then turned into just going to a lot of trade shows. And, and now, now my job, you know, after I just had my four year anniversary at Spikeball uh, full time and, and now my job focuses pretty much just around physical education. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and that was going to be my next, my next question was around, you know, the, the travel that you do and the amount of uh, conferences and flights that you, that you head to in a year. But I think one of the great things is that, you know, I've had the pleasure of being at some of the conferences and, and shows that you've been to. And I just see that the, the passion and the enthusiasm that you have for, for the sport around net and for spike ball as a company. And it definitely shows in terms of when you're running sessions for teachers. And, and I think that's in a large part why I think uh, spike ball has be, and, and around it has become such a um, phenomenon in physical education is because 
I think the way that you describe it and the way that you you show it to teachers, it, teachers can't help but want to take it back into their into their school. So, I mean, how many how many conferences and and flights are you taking in a year? Oh man, you're making me smile just thinking about teaching teachers. Uh, I really I really love uh, love what I got to do that, and you know when I'm presenting in front of a group uh, a session, either you know to a district or at a conference, uh, it's it's best part of my job, and I feel you know it's right in my wheelhouse. Um, but yeah, to answer your question about conferences, I think, you know, my first year, I probably went to 25 different conferences, whether they're parks and rec shows, PE trade shows, or, you know, maybe a CrossFit games. I was going to a lot of different shows and, um, and then, you know, that it turned into me going to more PE shows and, you know, I was probably spending, you know, 50, 60 nights out of my, out of my bed, you know, a year, uh, traveling for, for spike ball events. Um, and now, you know, we've got a lot of ambassadors around the country and I try and travel a little bit less. I go, go to less, less trade shows. Uh, you know, I've been to a lot of them multiple years in a row. Uh, it's kind of weird not going to them anymore because I miss the people that, you know, expect to see me there and, and I, and I miss seeing there, but trying to ease up my travel, uh, you know, as, as I get more, I guess, advanced in, in my role. And so now we have ambassadors that, you know, we'll go to, go to some of the trade shows and, I focus a lot more on professional development and uh, going to districts um, around the country, teaching teachers at, at, at a time. But man, it's it's so much fun, uh, you know, doing what I do. And you know, I appreciate you saying that. You know, I, I do have a passion for it because I do. And uh, you know, I was I was a lover of spike ball and round net before you know it became a job. And um, I think my favorite, one of my favorite things about what I do is. I've had such a larger impact on the physical education community and kids moving uh, than I would have just, you know, teaching PE teacher, just teaching PE back in my hometown, you know, for a few hundred kids a year. Um, so I think that's, you know, what, what really moves me is, is I, I am having an impact on, on getting kids moving and getting kids active. Yeah, it was actually going to be my next, my next comment and question was, you know, probably the fact that you are teaching teachers, um, you are impacting more students because for every one teacher that you that you show uh, spike ball to, then you know they're then going back to 100, 200, 500 kids in their school. Um, so like indirectly, you're having such a big impact. Like, would you pref- do you prefer to teach teachers or, or kids? Like, what would you what's what's your preference? Ooh man, that's a tough question. Uh, teachers are like kind of big kids, especially PE teachers. Uh, so I really had fun with them. It's nice to see them kind of out of their element. And a lot of times, you know, they're pretty coordinated. And, you know, when you play round net for the first time, it's not as easy as you think. And so it's nice to see them kind of be all not as coordinated and kind of on the same playing field and, you know, learning together. So I really enjoy that. But, you know, when I when I get back in the classroom, I remember how fun it is to teach kids and, to, you know, see them struggle on them, give them a tip and, watch them, you know, have success and, you know, get that aha moment where they start to get it. And, you know, I really, you know, when I'm in the classroom, it reminds me how much I, I wanted to be a teacher. And, you know, I didn't think I was necessarily going to teach full time because sometimes you get a little, little burnt out a little bit. And if that happens, I want to I make sure that I give all of myself to the kids. Uh, you know, I can't, can't half-ass that. So, um, you know, it's nice kind of doing a little bit of both because, you know, I don't get burnt out on either. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's super fun. I'd like to say, you know, one thing about, you know, shout out to Chris Reuter for letting me kind of um, and giving me permission for Spikeball to kind of donate our time and money to the physical education community because it allows me to, 
uh, be more passionate and not necessarily salesy. Uh, you know, our goals, you know, my goals you know, for the year, I do have some revenue goal that I try and create from PE, but I have a number of students top goal and a number of teachers top goal. And, you know, those are two of the three of my main goals. And it's not necessarily sales, it's part marketing, it's part awareness, um, but we get to donate the time and equipment to these schools and these districts. Uh, they don't have to pay anything to have spike ball, you know, be taught there. Um, and we donate equipment and then hope that, you know, our training, our curriculum, our resources uh, are good enough that they, they want to buy equipment. And, you know, there's there's no catch. So I don't have to be uh, kind of that salesy. I get to just, you know, work my passion. And, you know, if it's good enough, they'll buy it. Great. If not, you know, whatever. There's, you know, more sets out in the, out in the world and uh, they're going to get kicked <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm going to, I mean, I guess like build off that and, and then give you some, some promotion and marketing there. I think like my, if I think about my experience of spike ball, it was, it was something that I saw, you know, online when I was working in Singapore and I was like, Oh, that looks really cool. I'm interested in that. And um, I think at that time it wasn't super easy to get, uh, there weren't many sets in, in that part of the world. I came to the, came to the PE Institute in North Carolina there, um, saw it there, met you there um got a chance to play it and and like you said like it, it didn't feel like walking around the the trade the trade section of the conference and and i mean no disrespect to other other companies there but yeah there there definitely are companies that it it does feel like that their main aim is to sell you their stuff which like fair play to them but what i loved about the way that that you approached it and that i've seen spikeball as a company approach things is exactly what you just said and the fact that i've had i think you know, since that time, I've had sets, multiple sets in, in my school, both in Singapore and here in, in Canada. And in both places, I've had had sets break through accidents, kids stepping on them or getting crushed in, in doors and stuff like that. And, and both times within a week, free replacement of the pieces that were, that were broken. So it's this lifetime warranty. And I think that's a really important piece for, for PE teachers, particularly in schools and districts where budgets aren't there for equipment. You know that you buy this equipment and it's going to be guaranteed for it's life it's lifespan yeah no that's that's one thing that is is also really nice is i don't you know we have a quality uh, equipment that i can stand behind and we do have this warranty and you know we we used to replace a lot more parts and that costs us money in the long run as a company so it makes us want to make a better set that's more durable um and you know that led to uh these legs that now collapse and what that also turned into was actually kind of a happy accident but now the legs fold in and you can know keep the set set up pretty much but stored in a, in a much smaller area um but you know that that just keeps us you know making sure that we're always looking at quality and we're not going to make a make something that you know you're, you're going to buy break and then buy again um we want you know we want something quality that's going to last and you know you put your money into it and we're going to you know hopefully have you as a, as a customer for life because of the way we treat you and uh, a good product Speaking of the product, uh, I can't vouch highly enough for it. I own six sets of the original Spike Ball uh, sets, as well as a pro set and one of their new toys, the Spike Boy, which enables me to get those Spike Ball sets floating on top of a pool, uh, which is a heap of fun as well. So uh, if you are interested in getting a set of uh, for Spike Ball, whether it be uh, the basic set, the pro set, or the, uh, the Spike Boy, or any of their other accessories, you can head on over over to iphyzed.com backslash spike so i-p-h-y-s hyphen e-d 
youtube.com backslash spikes spike s-p-i-k-e and you will be able to purchase yourself a, a spike bowl set there from amazon so highly recommend that you go and do that um in this short break i also wanted to let you know that uh, as a lot of you are heading back to school uh, we do have as part of our uh, ifz.com online courses our brand new teaching games with purpose online course which is launching any day now you can learn more about that one by going to ifz.com backslash learn and checking out uh, the teaching games with purpose course link um, in the online courses section and also another great new initiative that we have at ifz.com is our purposeful games database so if you haven't heard of this it is a collection of purposeful games designed by myself and other physical educators. Um, and every month we will be releasing five new games into that database. And in that database, you will be able to find games that are based on the teaching games for understanding um, categories of invasion games, net wall, striking and fielding, and target games. And each of those games uh, are designed with a particular tactical focus. So every month you'll get access to five of those games, as well as a game video explaining one of those five games. Currently there's about 15 games in the database. Um, and as I said every month we'll be adding five more if you're interested in learning more about that or registering for that uh, purposeful games database you can find that one at ifz.com backslash games uh, for now let's get back to Skylar I guess getting onto the educational side of things like we've sort of talked about the equipment how it works how the game works if I was a teacher and I decide that I want to, to put this into my curriculum and, and put it in my school. Like what, where do I start? Like what's, how do I start introducing this to kids? So I think the best way is to start with the spike ball curriculum. Um, you know, the one that I wrote, I wrote with the help of a uh, California teacher of the year named Stephen McLaughlin. Um, so I was just learning how to write lessons and he, you know, was writing for spark at the time. So he definitely helped, you know, kind of bring my ideas to life and they're just a great, you know, it's, it breaks down a lot of the skills and give you, gives you a bunch of little drills that you can do to improve your ball control, whether you're doing underhand or overhand pass or spiking or serving defense, you know, offensive strategies. So I think that, you know, those resources are a great way to start and, you know, open uh, from U.S. games uh, that are, you know, a great initiative where they're given, you know, free resources to teachers. Uh, and I, I love what they do. They took my curriculum and then made it better. Um, and they made a middle school version of it. Mine was kind of an overall version. And then they also made a high school version. So they have a, a middle school round net and a high school round net curriculum that is based on mine, but, you know, it's kind of beefed up. Um, and even better and, and newer. So I, I love that there. And, and you know, Spikeball YouTube channel um, is huge too. Um, there's tons of videos, you know, the, the curriculum videos that come along with the curriculum. And then Spike School um, is, is, is really great. So I think, you know, those those resources and then just, you know, looking on, on YouTube, looking at top 10 plays or, you know, how to play or how to get better. There's, there's a lot of resources out there. So that's what I would do. Um, and the other thing is keep an open mind to, using the equipment for physical education, uh, not in it's the right way. Um, you know, everybody thinks the right way is, you know, two on two modified volleyball. Um, but if you can think of ways to use a spike ball net and, and use it to build a different skill or, um, help you in a different sport, you know, by all means do it, uh, think outside the box and think about it as a piece of physical education equipment and not just, you know, uh, an equipment for a certain sport. I think that's one thing that a lot of teachers, 
you know, you modify a lot of basketball if you're playing with younger kids, you know, you don't play by the same rules, same with volleyball. A lot of times you let it bounce. So think of other ways that you can use the spike ball net um, to get kids physically active, get their heart rates up and working on different skills rather than, you know, just the, the normal two on two, three hits per side uh, way. I think for me, when I've I've done it, and, and over the the past few years in teaching it, I've definitely refined the way that I go about it. And and I've, I'm an elementary school teacher, and so obviously it, it is a little bit more difficult, like you say, for for younger kids. And so yeah, modifying the rules or the number of players, or maybe not using the actual the ball that comes with the set, using a, a bigger ball, um, has always been successful. And uh, the way that I I try and introduce it with my kids is, is sort of like that idea of, of leveling up. You know, at a very basic level, they're just like throwing and catching off the net. Um, and then if they're successful at that, then you can sort of add in maybe like a, a self strike or like a partner toss to strike. There's so many different ways that you can um, modify the game. And the thing that I love about that is well, you can I've I've had you know four kids playing two, say two on two, one team of two is throwing and catching. The other team is playing with, you know, three strikes, you know, full rules. And it doesn't really affect the, the way that the game is played. Like both teams are able to be successful at, at the level in which they're able to participate. Absolutely. And I think that kudos to you for, you know, thinking outside the box and, you know, whatever you can do to make your students successful, if they're not having success, if they cannot hit the ball in the net, they're not going to want to do it in the future. And we're always thinking about, you know, making them, you know, lifelong participants in physical education. And that's something that, you know, you're going to want to do. You're going to want to be successful. You're going to want to be able to hit the ball in the net or throw it on the net because, oh, wow, now I can do this. And now there's something that I can get better where, wow, this is just too hard. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to quit. So, you know, I think it's, it's really important to play at whatever level um, you're at and or, yeah, your partner's at or, you know, make it different, work as a team, figure it out. So that's, that's awesome that you, you know, have used it in a bunch of different ways and seen, seen, I'm sure you've seen those kids progress, you know, pretty easily when you do slow it down. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and they love that, you know, concept of like leveling up as well. Like, oh, I'm onto the next level now. Like I can, I can do the, the stuff that's harder and then they want to get to the next level. Um, so yeah, definitely it's, it's been something that's worked really well for me and, and I've seen other teachers use similar things. I guess on the other side of um, the coin, like you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you played competitive round net at a, at a pretty elite level. Um, you know, do you, can, you, can you speak to sort of that side of things? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I got my start. Um, I, you know, was playing and with my friends and I, you know, was on the internet looking at spike ball videos, seeing, you know, how good people were. And I found out there's a tournament down in Southern California and it was on the beach and I'd never played on the sand before. So decided that might be fun to see how good people are. And my partner and I ended up winning that tournament, uh, which was really cool. We beat a, a pair that had never lost to each other before. And it was our first time ever playing on the sand. So it was really cool and I met the CEO after that. So just had a really positive experience and ended up signing up for the next tournament and won that. And, uh, you know, I ended up deciding it, it started in Chicago and was you know definitely bigger on the East coast before the West coast. So we knew, you know, they had, they'd been playing for a lot longer in New York. So there was this big tournament called summer spike that was getting started. And, uh, me and one of my local friends decided to make, make the trek over there to see you know how we would do. And, that other West Coast team decided to go as well. And we played them in the finals uh, after, you know, kind of both cruising to the finals pretty easily. And we ended up beating them. And that's when we realized, like, if we're both, you know, in the finals over here, 
and we were the best in the West, you know, maybe we're the best in the country. And that's kind of how the idea started. And we started an Instagram page and then started just looking for more tournaments. And at that time that the tournament scene was starting to, to bloom and it was going from 20 teams to starting to get 50 teams, you know, in 2014. And, um, you know, ended up winning national championships in 2014 and 15, got second in 2016. Um, so, you know, I've, I've probably been to a hundred tournaments, you know, in the last five, six years, you know, traveling, you know, 20, 20 times a year. Um, so it's, it's a lot, but it's, it's an incredible amount of fun. And, uh, you know, I've been really lucky to, you know, be on the top of the game. I got a, got to play in ESPN two, you know, a few months ago, which was, you know, dream come true. So I'm uh, very happy that, you know, I get to call myself, you know, kind of one of the, the spike ball legends, you know, of Roundnet. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try and continue to keep my record as winning as player, uh, in history for as long as I can, but there's some people catching up real fast and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of old, so it's not going to last. Yeah. I was going to say to you, I think there was like, there was a time there where you'd been undefeated for some like insane amount of time. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, a year, a year and a few months where we were undefeated and, you know, we had like one, one or two losses in two years. So just, you know, tournament after tournament, I think my teammate and I won 33 of the 38 tournaments we'd, you know, played in over three years. So it was, uh, it was weird winning all the time. It was, it was cool to be on top of the sport and we had, you know, sponsors giving us free stuff and free clothes and, you know, some money to help travel. So it was, uh, it was really cool, you know, growing up thinking you're never going to be a pro athlete. I kind of got a little, little taste of it. Uh, so it's, 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 it was super fun and I continue to, to try and play. I got regionals coming up, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, um, I'm playing in East regionals, uh, with a guy who got second last year at nationals. And, uh, I'm hoping to win. I've, I can't play in West regionals this Saturday because I'm going to a wedding and it kind of hurts me down in my soul because I have won all four West regionals that have happened. Uh, so I cannot go for the five peat. Um, I'll guess I'll, I'll try in another region to do it, but it's uh, kind of sad that I'm not going to be there. It's uh, definitely, you know, a fun day that I've, it's always been good to me. Yeah. Actually, one of the questions that I often ask, and, and I, I sort of want to ask it now, it was more, I was going to ask it to a little bit later, but one of the questions I've been asking as my guests as well is about the idea of failure. Um, and I, I believe that failure is something that's really important to growth and development and being able to fail well. Um, I think if you fail well, then you're open to trying new things. And by trying new things, you learn more about yourself and then you're better able to succeed in the future. It seems like you had such a long win streak there. Um, what was it like that time when you when you lost? Like how did that sort of, did it change you at all? Like what, what did you learn from from that, that first loss after such a long time winning? Yeah, no, we definitely, you know, winning so much, uh, you start to expect to win and uh, everybody also, also else also expects you to win. So it was kind of a weird mindset. I never really had that playing sports my whole life. I probably won more sports than I've lost, you know, but nothing like this. And we even had shirts made that said heavy lies the crown because it, you know, was weird because everybody could just go hard against us. And you know, it didn't matter if they lost because we were the top team, but you know, if we lost or if we, you know, mistook one step. Every, you know, all eyes were pointing on us like, oh, you know, what's wrong with them? Like, why aren't they playing well today? Um, so any mistake or any time you don't do less than perfect, everybody criticizes you. So, um, you know, when we lost, I think, you know, we did get complacent. and We were probably a little kind of 
too chill uh, when we played and I uh, thought it was, you know, just too easy. And, um, you know, it, it definitely bit us, bit us in the ass and, you know, we, we lost. And then, you know, we definitely, um, once we lost that first time in 2014, um, we won the next five tournaments and, and won nationals and, uh, you know, definitely, definitely, you know, put a fire under, under our belly. So that was nice, but, uh, it's, you know, I think failure in general, uh, growing up playing tennis, uh, I, I learned, yeah, I learned that the hard way. And, you know, I think tennis is the best sport for being able to kind of learn from failures because you fail so many times. How many times do you hit, hit the ball in tennis? How many times do you hit it right? You know, you know you can do it in practice. And then, you know, when you can't do it, how do you react? How do you move forward? Do you think about the past? Do you think about the future? You know, um, so I think tennis, you know, has shaped uh, me to be able to learn from failures and, and use it as a, as a positive thing to help, you know, help me grow rather than, you know, something that brings me down. Yeah, that's great. And, and, um, I think, yeah, like it, it, you, you see it a lot, especially with kids in, in schools, those kids that are, um, you know, highly talented and highly skilled, maybe through elementary school years and they win everything and they're always successful. And then all of a sudden in middle school, uh, or their peers catch up to them and, you know, they haven't had that experience of, of losing before and, and, often they don't know what to do. They, they don't know how to manage their emotions. They don't know, you know, up from down. So I think, you know, showing kids as, as a teacher, or as an educator, that it's okay to fail and that from failure you can learn and ways to manage um, disappointment. I think that that's, that's just as important as teaching them the skills of how to, how to move um, as, as an effective person, whether it's learning how to run or shoot a basketball, or whatever it is, I think that that social emotional piece is is huge. Um, I'm I'm conscious of time because I do like to sort of try and keep these at about thirty minutes if if I can. Um, so that was one of the three questions that I normally ask at the end of every episode is about failure. The other the other two I'm going to shoot at them now and sort of just quick quick answers, um, twenty five words or less. Um, one of them is what's something that people don't know about Skylar, something that, you know, not a lot of people know about you. Ooh, uh, if I'm home and I got nothing to do, I really like to cook uh, and clean while I cook. Um, but I, I, I'm, you know, yesterday I was home, you know, I had some free time and I, I made salsa, I made uh, salad, I made veggies, you know, for the week, I made yogurt parfaits for the week, uh, you know, I made an omelet. Uh, I, I made a quesadilla. I made I made a lot of food yesterday, and so that's that's kind of what I what I like to do when I'm not playing sports uh, or traveling is, is make food and occasionally play video games. But food food is uh, food is one of my favorite things, and I have award winning salsa. So yeah, I know I know through I know through Spikeball I've seen that you're on you're on Shark Tank on TV. Yep. Um, but should we expect to see you on on Master Chef or, or Iron Chef or something like that? Uh, you know, one day I'd definitely love to love to do Chopped. I don't know how. I don't know if they actually do it that I think they know what they're going to cook before they actually do it, you know, a little bit because they seem to know where the ingredients are too much, but definitely love to be on shop to just uh, see if I could use some, some ingredients that I'm not, you know, familiar with and use all that time that I've watched uh, the food network. You know, hopefully it would you know, be positive and I could make, make something happen. Yeah. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's, let's uh, start a petition to get you on there. Um, all right. So my last question before we sort of wrap this up, um, you know, if you were able to, to speak to every physical educator or coach or anyone who's involved in sort of teaching young people out there in the world, what would be the one thing that you would tell them that we should all be focusing on and all working towards? 
Oh, wow. That's a tough question. Um, I think, uh, I think we, we touched on it earlier, but, you know, modifying either the lesson, you know, whether it's the way that you speak, whether it's the way, you know, maybe you show something visually, you know, people, there are different types of learners. People uptake information uh, better in certain ways. Um, so being conscious of that. Um, and then in that same vein, you know, because you're doing that, you're kind of modifying the lesson or whatever you're trying to teach for each student. And you're trying to make each student, you know, individually successful because everybody's different. And I think, you know, modifying games, uh, modifying rules and equipment so that, you know, everybody can be successful and you can have that Johnny all-star kid mixed up with somebody who isn't that coordinated and they can both be working on something, um, you know, together, hopefully. And, you know, you know, they may be at different levels, but they're working on something and getting better together. Um, I think that's something that, you know, people will just throw out, roll out the ball. They'll separate, you know, the good kids from the bad kids. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it takes a lot to, to do, but I think that's what you need to do as a teacher is, is make, make it special for every kid. Um, everybody learns in a different way. Everybody's had different past failures, you know, that you may not know about. Um, and, you know, I think you need to just, you know, try and talk to, talk to your student, however old they are, uh, get to know them and get to know how they learn and why they want to learn what they want to learn. Um, and see if you can tie in your lesson, uh, to, to bring them in, you know, modify it in whatever way you can so that they will buy in, uh, to whatever you're doing. Cause if they buy into that, um, then they can buy into anything. Yeah, great. I think it's definitely a hallmark of, of a really good teacher is someone that is is open and willing to adapt and change. And, you know, for me, there's nothing worse than, than somebody who, who writes a lesson plan and, you know, step one, we're doing this, step two, we're doing this, step three, we're doing this. And it doesn't really matter to me what the kids do, whether they like it, whether they don't, whether they get it. I'm going to do that lesson plan as I wrote it because I spent so long writing it. Um, and I think it's just, it's so... Yeah, like you say, like everyone learns differently. And, and I think the hallmark of a great teacher is being able to, you know, I've, I've talked about it before in presentations that I've done. I think as, as teachers, a lot of the time, we're actually more like doctors than we, than we know. Like what we're doing really is we're, we're diagnosing what's happening in front of us. We're coming up with a plan and we're imp implementing that plan in the same way that a doctor looks at a patient and, and works out what's wrong with them and maybe gives them some some medication or gives them a treatment plan and then they evaluate whether that treatment actually works. So as a teacher, I think we do the same thing. We have to be able to see what's in front of us, come up with some solutions, try them out. Maybe they'll work, maybe they won't, um, and then be ready to, to try that again. Um, before we finish, I do want to ask you, um, for people that are interested, you talked a little bit about the, the spike ball curriculum. Um, I know people can go to spikeball.com if they're interested in finding out more about Spikeball as a, as a, um, as a company and, and sort of the equipment, but you know, how, where would you advise people to go to find out more if they're, if they're a teacher, um, and how can people get in contact with you if they have questions for you? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, definitely if you just search Spikeball curriculum or Spikeball PE, um, you know, on Google, that should be the best place to, uh, you know, you should be finding it within a, a few clicks. Um, you can find me at spikeballedu on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we also have a, a Spikeball physical education group on Facebook that you can uh, join and I tend to post uh, some content in there as well. Um, and, you know, I think it's also good to just, you know, talk to other teachers that, you know, may have used it or may have seen it before and see what their experience is because maybe, maybe it's not a positive one and, and maybe you might have a more positive experience and you can help them out or, you know, you learn something from that. And I think 
um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just awesome. There's tons of resources out there. There's more to come. Um, there's a thesis out there on RoundNet that my buddy did to get his master's degree in college. Um, you know, people are starting to teach it uh, as a one-unit class in college. And, uh, it's, it's just awesome. So I'm excited just for the future and for all the resources that, uh, you know, the community uh, has, you know, put their support and, and created as well. Yeah, I think it's been interesting to to watch Spike Ball and Roundnet and and its place in in schools grow over the past few years because you know like five to ten years ago it, it wasn't something that you would see in in schools and now I would I would guess that like majority of schools especially here in North America probably more schools than not have have a set and I'm starting to see more and more sets um, out in the general public as I was driving along the the street early this evening i saw a couple of kids um just along the along the street with a set out on their front lawn and it's definitely getting bigger and bigger so i'm super excited to see where it sort of goes in the next five to ten years because i think you know it's been very very successful so far and it it's uh it's definitely growing and, and it's exciting to see you know the next steps of, of where this could go yeah man olympics 2060 you know that's uh you know maybe hopefully it'll be a senior division then and i can still hang <laughs> no, I, I I feel the same way. I'm very excited. I think we've made a huge splash on the physical education and the sport community uh, within you know five years uh, that we've really started to kind of build ourselves as a sport. I think I can't think of another sport that has grown so fast. We've had some other sports that have kind of re re come out of the woodworks like pickleball that's super popular right now. But you know, ultimate and lacrosse have been around for quite some time, and you know we're kind of catching up to them, and we've only I've been around for a few years, so I'm excited to kind of keep growing. And I know, you know, Spikeball is a company. We have one person that part of their job is to kind of focus on international. Um, you know, so we still haven't even scratched the surface of you know kind of becoming a global sport. So uh, I'm, I'm super excited for the future. And you know, it's it's something that wherever you are, whoever you are, you can you can play anywhere. And uh, you know, I'm stoked stoked that I've been a part of it, and I can't wait to to be a part of it in the future. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Skylar, for, for giving up uh, your evening to, to chat with me. I know you've probably got some cooking to get back to um, or oh. some sports to sports to play. So uh, I'm going to uh, let you go. And um, yeah, if anyone out there is interested in learning more about Spikeball, um, Google it, uh, get in contact with with Skylar. And, and from my own experience, I can say it's a fantastic addition to any physical education program. The kids absolutely love it and I love it as well. Um, so thanks so much, Skylar, and I hope to catch up with you at some point um, somewhere around the world on uh, your travels very, very soon. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate, you know, what all of you do, you know, outside of your normal job for the physical education community. Uh, you inspire me every day and uh, you're always welcome Welcome to Colorado, you and your family. Got, got a place to crash if you need to and uh, I'll hit you up if I'm ever up uh, in the Great White North. Yeah, for sure. All right. Have a good evening. Thanks, Nathan. What a pleasure it was to catch up with Skylar. As I mentioned earlier, he just has a heap of energy. He's really, really committed to developing students' physical literacy through Spikeball. And if you ever get a chance to see him in action at a conference, uh, I highly recommend that you go and see him present because he is really, really good at what he does, um, as evidenced by his uh, multiple national championships as a round net player. Uh, one thing that was interesting for me in that conversation was learning about the difference between uh, round net and spike ball. I wasn't aware of those uh, two uh, different 
I guess names and and how they how they work together. Um, and I'm sure that was interesting to a lot of our listeners as well. If you're interested in getting a spy course sense, you're able to play RoundNet in your spare time or with your students. Again, head on over to iphyzed.com backslash spike, um, and it'll direct you to uh, be able to purchase a spike ball set. Again, thank you so much for your support of the Phys Ed cast. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Um, I feel like some of the episodes we've put out so far have been uh, very interesting and, and hopefully um, and digging a little bit deeper into some of the stories behind um, some physical educators that you may know and some others that you may not. If you do find this podcast uh, useful or you find that um you've got some value out of it. I really would love for you just to do one thing. I know people say like and subscribe and rate and review and all of that, but I, I just want you to share it with one other person that you know of, uh, whether that be another physical educator, a coach, uh, someone at your school, someone in your family. I'd really love just to get uh, this podcast out to more and more ears. So if you could do me a solid and just share it with with somebody that you know, I would really, really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to getting another episode out. I, I really, I, I'm genuinely um, sorry for the, the big gap since the last episode and I'm committed to getting some more episodes out uh, in the next couple of weeks so thanks again my name is Nathan Horn from ifized.com and this has been the Fizzedcast. cast